Welcome to the Mental Arsenal Podcast, your go-to resource for creating an extraordinary life and business from the inside out. I am your host, Master Life Coach and Business Success Coach, Chris Acebu. Thank you so much for tuning in. Let's get started. Jody Gibson is an expert on healing leadership. As a professional coach and speaker, she has created massive change and generated millions of dollars for her clients, which includes the National Institute of Health, the University of Michigan, and the International Coaching Federation. Jody has built award-winning cultures and recently published her first book, Healing Your Map, a guide to understanding discernment, trauma, and human behavior. Her holistic approach is deeply layered in developmental psychology, neurolinguistic programming, neuroscience, consciousness, trauma, intention, levels of energy, professional coaching, and the law of vibration. As a human behavior expert and a master coach, Jody believes that we all have the power to change. We all have the power to live the life that we've always dreamed of. And it's just that what holds us back is simply our old patterns. Welcome to the show, Jody. Yes, thank you so much. Even hearing you articulate all of that, I'm like, wow, that's a lot. Right? That's a huge mouthful. But yes, that is my jam. That's really the essence of who I am. Absolutely. Thank yeah. you for having me. Yeah. So, so happy to have you on. And yeah, some. It, it's so interesting, right? When we would guest in shows or maybe speak and we get introduced and things get laid out in terms of what we've accomplished. And oftentimes we forget about those things up until the moment where when we're about to present and we realize like, oh, wow, I've actually done quite a bunch of stuff. And <laughs> I think that just speaks to, you know, sometimes our forgetting <laughs> those achievements and, you know, how far we've come. So, yeah. Um, this is a very impressive portfolio, and I feel that our viewers and listeners can learn a lot from what you have to share today. Absolutely, and thank you for letting me come on and share this with you. I think one of the most powerful things that I've learned on my journey is we don't have to stay committed to who we were yesterday. And mm. I, share, I feel like it's a little bit cliche, too, when people say, well, well this is just who I am, right? And I often... Yeah. Yeah, of course that you are, because that's what your history has led up to this summation, right? But it doesn't mm -hmm. have to be your final destination. It's all editable. And I think that's the cool part where it's like, if this is who you are, that's awesome. But is this who you want to be? And yeah. I think that's what turns the key for people, really. Yeah, I love that. Like the concept on identity and self-regard is so fascinating. And you know, as homo sapiens, we're always continuously evolving and reinventing ourselves. And so uh, more often than not, people create this identification with a past identity, like you said, and oftentimes that's what holds us back from getting to that yeah. next level because we're so attached to, or we get attached to consciously or unconsciously <laughs> to yeah. an old identity and, you know, way of being that we're not able to that get to that next part yeah we do need to maintain a healthy detachment <laughs> when it comes to identity yeah and i think one of the coolest things that you just shared that that popped up for me is the story that we build around that history right mm -hmm. and so are we encapsulated in the story saying okay well because i grew up in this area i'm this person or because i yeah. only had this up here because I only had access to this resource when I was a child or even in my adulthood, and that's now determining how I get to show up as an adult. And it's yeah. no, if that's the story you're telling yourself, then for sure, yes, that's your limitation. But what happens when you change the story, right? And we can dive into it later, but I created this really cool coaching model called Interrupt the Story because I think mm -hmm. it's really powerful. A lot of us coaches, yourself alike. Our, our press is founded on the thoughts that people have, right? And so mm. it's, if somebody comes to us and says, 
I really want help jamming out on this thing. I really want help unlocking this idea. We're making an assumption that this idea is valid. And so it isn't until we really unpack that idea or that thought and go, how many other things could you have? So if your thought is, I want to get a new job, but the job that you want lives inside that old story. Wait a second. Let's go unpack the story first, right? Let's interrupt the story so that we can start with a new thought. And maybe now the thought isn't, I want a new job. Maybe it's, I want to move. Maybe it's, I want a promotion. Maybe it's, I want to go back to school. But who knows what that movement looks like. If we're always stuck in the same old story, we're going to get the same T, right? We're going to get the same thought, the same emotion, and the same action. So until we change that story, we get different T. I don't know if that makes to you, but that's where my brain goes. Yeah. I love that. I think we all have an internal narrative of different areas in our lives, whether that's in our relationship, in our career, or uh, in our finances. And yeah, we do have those inner stories that we tell ourselves. And I think what's so tricky about it is often, I like to think about it as an an invisible script that runs in the background. And think what really makes coaching valuable is like, we create an awareness, we bring those invisible scripts to the light so that it's more workable. And we get clients to a place of, oh, I didn't know that, that I had that narrative in my mind. I had that story. And I think this beautifully connects with how we can proactively write our own story or rewrite our own story or edit some things out. Like it doesn't have to be like, we don't have to subscribe to, okay, this is what happened and this is how it is. And I really like how you talked about how a really common thought that people have around change is that, you know, they keep affirming that I'm, always like this this is who I am and I think that speaks to like having a fixed mindset where you tend to believe that you're not changeable that your personality is fixed that your story is fixed on your past experience and based on what happened to you in the past and it's a very disempowering place to come from because you create this rigidity around what's possible in your life for sure. Which like I have 300 things to say about that, right? but I'm trying to like, streamline because I can be all over the board and I feel like <laughs> we could jam forever. on Two things yeah. came up for me. The first one is understanding really when you're calling like the narrative and the story, right? It's who's the author and like how old mm-hmm. were you when you created that or curated that story, right? Yeah. So for most people, the majority of their fears and the things that they're challenged by their values and their beliefs and the things that hold them back, those big, heavy, like gremlin ideas that are like, I'm not good enough. I'm not tall enough. I'm not whatever enough come from an age. It comes from before the age of 10 years old. So all those things were built before we were in the double digits. So Mm -hmm. often I'll say to people like, where else in your life would you let a 10 year old make a decision for you? Yeah. And it's in those moments, right, where it's like, wait a minute, and people really get clear on, okay, how long have I been telling myself this story? Like, how old was I when I created this story? And then how am I letting this narrative? The the second part of my comment was to take you into, I think a lot of times I talk about vibration and people are like, okay, I don't want to get all woo, yeah. which I can appreciate, right? But everybody wants to talk about the law of attraction. And so I share that in saying, the law of vibration is tenfold what the law of attraction is, right? And so when we start to understand and to really oversimplify it, if I'm perceiving myself as a victim and the story that I'm telling positions me in the road as a victim, the only thoughts or solutions I'm going to come up with are attached to that victim energy. And so it doesn't, it makes complete sense of why we attract the people in our lives that we do, why we attract the friends and the opportunities and the jobs and all these different things. Literally, we're all emitting, here's me going a little like 10 seconds. We're all vibrating at some capacity. Just like water self levels, so does energy. And so we're just finding our reflection in the world. And until we get really clear on 
hang on a second, what level of energy is my story rooted in? And then I become self-aware of, okay, that makes sense why I'm attracting this partner and why I'm attracting this job opportunity and why I'm always feeling stuck. Because the in the story, I'm telling myself I'm stuck. And so it's really powerful then when we level up and say, okay, how do I reposition myself in this story? And I share that in saying, I was a teen mom. I barely graduated from high school. If I let those two things lead my story and I stayed in the victim chair right now, I'd probably still live in my hometown. I'd probably mm. still be in a similar job as I was when I had my older daughter. But instead I was like, no, being a teen mom was like the greatest gift I, I got. I That was an honor. Like without that journey, I wouldn't have pushed myself this hard. I wouldn't have had anything to prove. So I feel like I had this energy burning inside me because everybody thought I had thrown my life away, right? Yet I wasn't very educated either because I barely graduated from high school. Yet when somebody handed me this baby, I was like, what am I going to do now? And so I started going to school and ended up putting myself through undergrad and then grad school and graduated both of them with honors, which here's like the zero point name, right? But I was just pushing ahead because I changed my position on my story. And I was like, no, I'm not the victim to this story. I'm the hero to this little girl's life. Mm -hmm. And so when you shift yourself into the other position, all of a sudden, the things that you were attracted to before create resistance where you're like, no, I don't want that. I don't want to hang out mm -hmm. with that crowd. I don't want this job opportunity. I want that one. I don't want to live here. I want to live there. Right? And we start evolving and I want to say expanding at this capacity that we're almost like a force to be reckoned with because yeah. we're no longer contained by that story. I think it's powerful, but I'm like that that's when people get really curious about the law of vibration and start to understand and unpack everything holds a frequency. Yeah. I'm sharing another little nugget. I'll, I'll pass the mic back to you, but the other time or the other way that I always explain it to people is if I'm trying to listen to something on the radio and I'm tuned into channel 955, there's yeah. zero chance I'm going to hear what's on 107.9. I'm just yeah. not. So if mm -hmm. I'm tuned into my victim story, I'm not going to be able to attract the, I don't want to say the yeah. hero, because I feel like it sounds like ego, right? But those soulful places that I'm trying to get to, they're, mm. they're, I'm not on the right frequency. Right. And so when we wake up and realize things and go, actually, I don't want to say wake up. Maybe that sounds a little harsh. But when we self-discover, wait a second, I'm what's in my own way. I'm on the wrong station. I know yeah. how to get to the station. Yeah. Powerful. Yeah, I really love that. And, you know, thanks for sh sharing a little bit about your background, too, and how that challenge could have taken you on a different path in your life, but then through very powerful reframing that maybe even at that age, at that time, you were not aware of, but creating those mental shifts and turning that circumstance and situation into something po uh, powerful and something motivating and have given yourself a, something to work towards and work for and strive for, I think, is, is really powerful. And I really love that analogy on the tuner, because I think, like, with, yeah, that that's how it works. And to our viewers and listeners, to make this a little bit practical for you, and I always think that, you know, as time moves on in the, in the modern times, especially with advanced sciences, um, we're able to make uh, concepts on the law of attraction and frequency and vibration even less woo-woo because technology is catching up. Although these things are like they come from the wisdoms of, of the great religions and the great teachers and, and gurus, but then now technology has a way to like articulate what they mean. And yeah, it does feel less woo-woo and people are becoming more open to conversations around these things. So what Jody really is just saying is like, yes, we are on a metaphysical level, always vibrating. If you really 
zoom in, we're all just made up of atoms and atoms emit energy and the energy they emit attracts back that similar energy to keep things in balance. And yeah, it's really uh, powerful to be able to control the energy that you put out. And Jody mentioned earlier, you know, with coaching, like we work with people's thoughts and, and thought systems and mindsets. A thought simply is a form of energy. And the really awesome thing with humans is that we have the ability to choose our thoughts. And so we can definitely create changes in our lives, but by simply creating simple changes in thinking. And I think also maybe we can talk about this. Uh, a really big aspect when it comes to vibration is also emotion. So I think this like collaboration between thoughts and emotions, sometimes thoughts brings up emotions, sometimes emotions brings up thoughts. And yeah, I think also in terms of energizing uh, thoughts even more, like feelings and emotions play a really big role. So can you tell us a little bit about emotions and the role that plays in attraction yeah. and vibration? Absolutely. I, I would love to. And kind of what I was sharing earlier, and I'll dive a little bit deeper, but I have a, an acronym, if you will. It's a widely known coaching model that's called T. So imagine like T-E-A, right? Yeah. And I think too here in, in the social world that we're in, a lot of times people talk about gossip and they talk about spilling tea, right? Where they're like, oh, I'm about to spill some tea, right? Yeah. And so I always share that people are always spilling tea all around us. So T for me is thought, emotion, action. And really that action is action, outcome, or behavior. I just use the A because it, it makes my T acronym work. So if you can imagine, there's that story that we're living inside. And from that story, we create a thought. And that thought then provokes an emotion, right? So maybe our phone rings, right? And we look at it and it's our boss and we're like, oh, I don't feel like talking to him. So the thought is, I don't feel like talking to him. The emotion that comes up is frustration. And the action we take is send a voicemail or maybe we pick it up, right? <laughs> but maybe then the phone rings a few minutes later and it's our bestie or it's our mate, it's our spouse, right? And so we're like, the thought is, oh, I want to talk to them. And the emotion that pulls forward is excitement or whatever. It love, bliss, all these things. And the action that we take is we hit talk and we pick up the phone. And yeah. so it, what behooves me about our Western approach to mental illness right now, because I dive into it later. The base of that, if you're tracking me on the TEA, there's a thought, there's an emotion, and then there's an action or a behavior. There's an outcome, right? Mm -hmm. Keep putting all of our energy on trying to change the behavior or change yeah. the medicate the behavior right like a kid has add let's medicate it or somebody has anxiety let's medicate them where you're like no anxious is a feeling so why mm -hmm. don't we then invest and invest a little bit more time and figure out what thought pattern they're in that keeps creating this anxious feeling or yeah. what thought pattern am i running that keeps creating this depressive thought or this depressive emotion and yeah. both of those emanate from the story, which is really what took me into creating the model of interrupt the story. And so I share that and say this in my world, it's thought, emotion, action, because I think it's a, a tear down. Uh, mm. It's a, a downward spiral, right? If if my phone rang, I wouldn't know to be frustrated or anxious or love lovey or whatever until I saw whose name was there first. <laughs> and then the name is going to create the thought, right? And so that's why I'm like, the thought creates the emotion. The emotion creates the outcome. Mm. And so when we start to understand that, that's where I was sharing earlier. If we can control our thoughts or if we can get curious, and, and I like to say curious because I think curiosity allows me to expand. Curiosity allows me to go, what was I thinking? Where judgment feels so heavy. If I'm like, why was I thinking that? Because then I, judgment never feels good to anybody. But if I'm curious, like, why did I think that? Or where did my brain, right? Like somebody has plans with us or they're supposed to call us at a certain time and they don't. And our brain is like, oh, they probably didn't want to talk to me. Or they probably didn't. It's like, okay, wait, that's a story. 
What if their battery died? What if they had a family emergency? What if they simply forgot? What if they, like, there's so many other things that could have happened, but we immediately go to the worst case scenario. And that worst case scenario usually aligns with that old 10-year-old story, that old 10-year-old position. And so it's not until we get really curious and unpack all those things that we start to realize, okay, hang on, let's unpack the story. Let's create a new thought so that we can feel better emotions and have a different outcome versus Mm. trying to change the end and work backwards. Yeah. That's really what it looks like in my world. I love that. And that just speaks to even the slogan of the show to create the life the extraordinary life and business from the inside out. So it's always an inside out approach. And I really like what you shared about how conventional medicine these days, and that's not to say that it's the whole industry, but there's an attitude of the symptomatic treatment where you only treat the symptoms and not the cause. And what I really love with what Jody shared is that going into a layer deeper and exploring the emotions and the original thought that created those emotions in a pattern sort of way is how you heal these emotional problems because that's trying to fix it on a root cause level. So medications and avoidant behaviors like drinking alcohol and seeking distraction, even recreational drugs, only do so little. It's like putting a bandage over an infected wound and you know it's just symptomatic it's just a surface level treatment it doesn't really address the root cause so that was very powerful when she yeah. shared that. and Jody kept mentioning 10 year old and that's also a very insightful fact it's that our brain develops on that first 10 years uh, we're so <clears throat> you know the brain absorbs everything like a sponge and it tries to accept everything as true, especially from authoritative figures, from our parents, from our teachers, from religious institutions, from the media. Um, so we look at them as our authority. We want whatever they say or tell us to be true. But more often than not, a lot of those things aren't absolutely true, as are so many other things. And when we when the brain solidifies its a personality and a worldview and the unique perspective, we grow up into adulthood not revisiting that and forgetting like, oh, I didn't know that there was actually these, these narratives that have been planted all throughout that first yeah. decade. Yeah. Yeah. A couple of things came up for me and I share this and I wildly jam out about it in my new book. And just to give you a little highlight, if you're fluent at all in NLP, one of the presuppositions in NLP is the idea that the map is not the territory, right? Is that something you're familiar with? Yes. Yeah. And just to share for the listeners a little bit, the map of territory is the concept that much like if there's a picture hanging on your wall or on your phone or whatever of your child, your spouse, whoever, that picture isn't the actual person. It's just a picture. The actual person is probably in the other room or at work or in your arms or wherever, right? The picture is simply a representation of the energy of that person. Mm. Much in the same that the map is not the territory. And so the concept of this book that I just wrote is this idea that we're all born with a blank map. So I have a map, you Mm. have a map, every single one of your listeners has a map, our kids have maps, our parents, the clerk at the favorites, everybody has a map, right? And every single life experience that we've ever had is collected on our map. Every scent, every sound, every grade, every feeling, every relation, every single thing we've ever been through is on our map. And the majority of it lies dormant and it never comes to um, consciousness. However, when things are triggered, right, those are the anchors that that lie in your map that are awakened when you're walking through your local, I always say like when you're walking through CVS and all of a sudden you smell fifth grade, right? Because you're like, oh my gosh, the smell of whatever that was is anchored to that memory that clearly was on your map because it's pinging. Or the song comes on the radio and you're immediately full of emotion, whether you're crying or you're partying because it's your favorite song, you're provoked, right? But everybody else around you is like, why is this person going crazy with this song? 
But you're like, what do you mean? This is my favorite song. And so it's understanding that this map that we have, that we've personalized for us, becomes the lens through which we see the world. So mm. the, the lens, the filter, like the map is this filter, and we're filtering everything that we know through this barricade. Mm. So the concept of the book was healing the map. Like, instead mm. of me being mad at what I, when I say, oh, he makes me so mad, where it's, like, no, what's pinging on your map when he speaks to you? And what are you making that mean? And so it's understanding until I heal the map, the territory is really off limits to me. And also if I can recognize that I have a map and so do you, when we're both observing the territory, we're seeing two different things, which is why accident can happen or a conversation can happen or something funny or whatever. And we're going to have two different versions of what happened because we saw it through two different lenses. And so mm. I always say in coaching and in, in therapy and healing and all of those things, if we can just realize and recognize what's happening on this person's map that we could help edit or we could create awareness around, right? So we talk about root causes. The roots live on the map. The symptoms are what we experience when we filter things through it. And so medicating the symptom or addressing the symptoms never addressed the map. It's just going to keep happening. Yeah. So I think it's really powerful when we can use that like analogy and say, okay, what am I making this mean? Or how did this get anchored to my, how is this anchored to my map? And, yeah. or for my partner, I don't like it when he does X, instead of saying, what is it that's on his map that can keep avoiding this conversation? Instead yeah. of saying, why are you avoiding me? I think yeah. it's just really powerful. I think it, it also allows us to dissociate from the challenges that we have, right? Where I'm like, what's mm -hmm. happening on my map versus saying, what's wrong with me? And so if I can talk about my map, it, it feels a little bit more gentle. It feels a little bit easier than maybe feeling attacked, right? As a lot of people can like, no, I don't want therapy or no, I don't want to change. There's nothing wrong with me. Where it's like, no, of course there's nothing wrong with you. You're exactly a product of your map. Let's get curious and investigate the map. Yeah. I don't know if that makes sense, but that's really where my brain goes with it. Yeah, absolutely. And I like how you were asking questions there and you mentioned earlier in a conversation how the our approach should be uh, out of curiosity, not not out of judgment. And I think that's really powerful too. And I think when we get curious and when we ask the right questions, hopefully the right questions, yeah, we're able to pull a more resourceful from a more resourceful state, and we're able to explore and. Like, I like how you really phrased that. And it's just about getting to know yourself you know, a little bit more and knowing what narratives and stories and lessons through which we see the world we're wearing in our psychic glasses. Yeah. And I think that just speaks to the code that we don't see the world as we are. We see the, we don't see the people in the world as they are and as it is. We see it as we are. And yeah. I think that's really powerful. And that just speaks to a cognitive heuristic too, a confirmation bias. Like we filter for things, that, you know, align with our story, that align with our values, beliefs. And I think it's so powerful how you shared that. Yeah, that's our way of seeing the world. And more often than not, we tend to believe that it's the absolute truth, but then actually it's not. It's our truth. And sure. other people have their own way of looking at the world, have their own truths formed by their experiences and whatever has happened in their lives. And I think that just speaks to how important that is in the areas of communication and how that helps us be more empathetic and more compassionate and be generous in terms of not jumping to conclusions and giving people grace and really coming from a place of seeking to understand uh, versus demanding that we get understood. So I really yeah, love Or that. demanding that you see it my way, right? I yeah. Think that's, yeah. 
Yeah. I feel like you said a couple of things. I love the word generous too, because I think when we're generous, even with our approach, when we're generous with the space that we hold, and when we really stay curious, if I'm curious about your map, I can't be in judgment about it. And if I'm curious about your map, I've set mine down, right? But when I'm demanding that the world aligns with my map, because this is the way that I see it, I'm really holding myself out of that vibration, right? We were talking earlier about the channels. And I feel like too, sometimes when I bring my content on, it's so multi-layered, but that's why I use so many analogies. But if we understand what channel is my map, tuned to is my map on this old victim channel well then it makes sense that everything every lens i look through i'm the victim i'm stuck right but if i start to say no i'm going to be really curious about what am i making this mean or how could i leverage my old story right because i think about myself i leveraged my old story and said no that was an honor because if i didn't have a baby that young I wouldn't have pushed myself. I probably wouldn't have went back to school. And once I started school, it's a crazy funny story, but what drove me to finish undergrad and grad school was this idea that maybe I was smart because that was never really on my map until mm-hmm. I arrived halfway undergrad. And in a candid way, I'll share with you, your listeners may enjoy this. I got a letter in the mail that said I was on a Dean's list. And I was so far removed from smart people, I didn't know what that meant. And so I <laughs> called my parents and I was sobbing, crying, telling them, I'm doing all the work and I don't understand what's wrong. And they were like laughing. And I was like, what's funny? And they were like, do you know what the dean's list is? So here I thought I was on like the principal's list. But this shows you like, this shows you who I used to be. And when I tell people, like, you don't have to stay where you were. Like, I barely graduated from high school. I had no idea even what undergrad and grad school were. I didn't know what the dean's list was. I didn't know what anything was. But now I've come to this place where I'm now, like, I'm I'm entertaining the idea of a PhD, right? And I'm jamming out in human behavior. I just wrote a bestseller that is magic because I'm coming at it from this unconventional way. It's like, what else in anybody's life can they approach in the unconventional way? The story was given to them for a reason. And when you can learn how to position it and be the hero of it, life gets really fun. It really does. Yeah, I think that's so empowering to just even know conceptually. Just realizing that again, you can really rewrite your script and it's never too late to rewrite your script. And it's really just a matter of getting aware. And Jody said, getting really curious and just having a willingness. I think it really starts there, like being willing to explore and really giving yourself no pressure to change right away. Uh, At least tinker around you know, these maps and how you think and see the world and see them and what shapes your worldview. I think that's really powerful because for so many people, they live their lives not knowing that they're looking at the world with these lenses, with these maps. I think it's liberating to understand, like, oh, this is how my mind operates. And this is what brought me here to where I am now. Yeah, I was going to circle back, too, into the space. Imagine when that 10-year-old or pre-10-year-old, I'm not enough, I'm not tall enough, I'm not short enough, I'm not smart, whatever, whenever that idea grew for you, right? Go to the day before that or go to the year before that and remember with how much childlike wonder you used to wander around the world with. Literally, you touch stuff, you poked stuff, you jumped on things you weren't supposed to jump on until you got yelled at, right? You you left light switches on, you didn't, you did all these things until somebody else identified a boundary, right? But as soon as we grew that that statement in our head, we stopped being curious. And we're like, nope, I gotta stay in my container. I gotta stay in my container. Instead of saying, no, how come how let's push all the walls down? 
Let's push stuff until I find resistance. Let's get really curious about relationships. Let's get really curious about education. Let's get really curious about the world. Let's travel. Let's, even if it's not about traveling, travel to the other side of your city. Go meet people that live on the other side of your county. Go find raw open space and do whatever it is that allows you to expand and release. And then that's how you start playing with the channels. Maybe you're not at this first channel and you haven't arrived here yet either, but play with all this gray, push the buttons, figure out what's out there until you're like, wow, this really sets me on fire. This is amazing. Or you're like, I really hated that. Whether you try horseback riding or you try gymnastics or you try yoga or you try, I don't know, there's a million things you can try, but go figure out what you like and what you don't like and do it like a child. But do it Mm. with this raw wonder and curiosity. Let me figure out more about me. Yeah. Instead of being safe in this container that placates my fear. Yeah. Yeah. And the refinement to that, or maybe not a refinement, but the distinction to our viewers and listeners is it's not about being childish. It's about being childlike. Yeah. So it's like an adult childishness. Sure. (laughs) Having that sense of awe and wonder. Yeah. I think too, whether it's your favorite hockey team or your favorite, whatever sport you play, I feel like we always act like we're not friends and we're strangers and we try and keep to ourselves. except when that play happens and it's the one that takes them over the championship threshold or whatever it is, all of a sudden you're high-fiving strangers, you're kissing babies, you're hugging people you don't even know because you're a kid again and you're like, oh my God. So it's like, how do you live with that level of curiosity and wonder and talk to strangers and do things you wouldn't do that takes you outside of that old thought it takes you outside of that old i want to say rusty station that keeps Mm. you right and so i think the childlike wonder lets you be curious without barriers or boundaries it's just like Mm. freedom there's no rules yeah i love that and what that brings up for me is just the concept of unlearning i think for a lot of people who are trying to figure things out especially how to navigate the mind and beliefs and stuff I get they get too obsessive on what do I need to know or what I don't know, <clears throat> but more often than not, liberation comes from unlearning sure. the sort of programming and those old stories. So, yeah, that's so yeah. powerful. And I think it's worth mentioning that, as you mentioned earlier about like all these stories and when they came up, I think that was really good, and I think that serves an awesome action prompt to our viewers and listeners. Is like when you have these thoughts come up that are not supportive like looking back at what happened immediately before that the day before that a year before that i think that's a very powerful exploration and i think it's again it's worth mentioning that a lot of our stories and beliefs are just generalizations you know that the mind makes and that's just how the mind kind of operates it tries to shortcut stuff and more often than not we get subscribed to one isolated event someone said something that okay your voice sucks or you're not talented and we subscribe to that story and we forget and and we create a generalization about that and we believe it and then we for we don't believe anyone else who actually says good things that oppose that belief like if someone actually complimented like oh you sound good you know you're smart um so it that's why you know, doing this inner work and really exploring helps you realize like, oh, let me look for evidence as where the opposite was actually true or where someone said the opposite. Because I think we can ice put things in isolation in our minds and we just put that in a box and that's it. And we forget about everything else. Yeah. And I think, too, that that one little comment right, is this baby snowball or maybe it's a spitball at that moment, right? And then it turns into a paper wad and then it turns into a snowball. And then by the time we're 40 years old, it's this gigantic barrier in our life that it it creates all these opportunities to say no. Oh, nope, I can't do that. I can't do that. Can't. And there's all this big pile of no because of that one tiny little comment. And it's like mm. I always say to people, take yourself back to that moment, right? Take yourself back 
that space, if that person said something about your voice or they said you weren't good at math or people are like, I'm not a good speaker or I'm not a good speller, right? Go back to that moment and decide how old you were in that space. And then remember who it was that made that comment. And I always say, who, like, who gave them the credentials to have that much authority over your life? Mm. Really? So like, good. If it was your fourth grade teacher, do you really think his intention on you failing that math test, that that was going to be a standing thing for you for the rest of your life? Or was it just that you weren't good at fractions? <laughs> or were you just not good at speaking that day? Or maybe you weren't a good speller. Maybe you're still not a good speller. But it doesn't mean you can't try. It doesn't mean you can't start spelling things or start writing or doing whatever. But who's giving people this much authority over their life now? Like, what would you tell your teacher now as a 40-year-old, not as a 10-year-old? But to go back into those spaces and revisit them. And I think that's people stay attached to them, the memory and what came from it, but never go revisit mm -hmm. the moment. Yeah. 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 And I think that just relates to how people, again, identify with these stories. And I think a part of the psyche feels like it's dying or going extinct when we unsubscribe from these stories. So we're so attached, we latched on, because that's who we say we are, but it's really not. It's just one aspect and that has happened and and it can color our personality, it can add a richness to our lives, but it does not strictly define us. You know, it does not define who we are as a whole person. It's just one aspect. Yeah. I think, too, and, and I'll try and keep this like short and sweet without getting crazy on it. Like, I always think of, of the law of vibration, right? And like levels of energy as the topography of our map. And so it's like we've been in these, we have these caverns in our map from all these old places that just gutted us, right? Yet we have these really high peaks where we were at the, the highest point of our game. Mm. And so it's like, how can we keep viewing life? from the dark caverns instead of from the peaks. Mm. And so it's like when we gain awareness, okay, hey, what would this version of yourself, how would this version of yourself tell that story? Okay, cool. And now how would this version of yourself tell that story? And who decides who's in charge every day? Like, why is this person's mic on? Turn this guy's mic down. Take the mic away from him. Give this guy a speakerphone, megaphone, whatever he needs, right? Amp this guy up. Right. So find your higher self. Like we've all had high moments. And so remembering who we were in those moments and how do we find more of that all over our map and whatever yeah. we're finding, whatever we're looking for is what we're going to find. And so yes. if we're looking for all these terrible things, we're going to find them and we're going to find all the people that are attracted to them too. Yeah. But if we're looking to heal, we're looking for the best parts of us. We're going to start attracting other people that are on the healing journey. We're going to attract other that. people. That are, right? Yeah. We have to understand that. That's, I'm talking about the law of vibration. It's so powerful. We're going to attract the same energy that we're emitting. Mm -hmm. Like magnets. So I feel like that's the big umbrella. 30,000 foot views. The law of attraction says, if you say these really cool things and you think really good thoughts, good things will come to you. But if I stick mm -hmm. post-its all over me that say, I'm wealthy, I'm wealthy, but I'm out just spending cash, not really how it works. But if I say, okay, why am I spending this money? What am I making this money mean? How do I understand my finances? What does my financial structure look like? How much money do I really need? And I get really curious and about, right? And I say, I'm worthy of understanding my finances. I'm worthy of appreciating my money. Uh, my money flows to me free. Like all these other things is different than just sticking affirmations on myself and hoping for the best. Mm. And so that's what I'm saying. Whatever energy we're putting out is the energy bringing back. That's yeah. the law of vibration. Yeah. It's like water. It's self-level. Yeah. And one other way I like to articulate when we talk about higher self, because I know for some people that might sound weird. That's really just a version of you, a psychic version of you that's vibrating at a higher level. And yeah. what's really awesome about it is 
that version of yourself is accessible to you now and you have access to it through mind or through the power of visualization and imagination i really like asking this with people like who is your best self because we all have that impulse to be our a better version of ourselves and really reflecting on what that version of us looks like how they think how they process emotions what books they read what clothes they wear what activities they engage in what they do for fun what character traits they have and really reflecting on that and thinking about that on a consistent basis and until you eventually get used to it really and, and you go to that level and again that speaks to the tuning of the mind right going to those higher frequencies and something that came to mind you talked about earlier is like the law of focus and concentration and attention and that how whatever we put our focus on that's where energy flows and whatever we focus on expands and this is so powerful because when you focus on the good things when you focus on your achievements when you focus on your strengths when you focus on healing when you focus on expansion naturally as a result of that you lose focus on those lower frequency things you lose focus on the worry you lose focus on the rumination and obsessing about the past or worrying about the future and you come from a very resourceful place so i really love that and I, and to our user, to our viewers and listeners that's a very important attitudinal muscle to develop it really does require practice and it's true it's easier said than done because we are trying to overcome a default of the mind the mind has a negativity bias it tends to focus on the negative things what's wrong what could possibly go wrong what i haven't accomplished what's wrong with me and but when we get practiced on that once we practice on the good things and the positive thoughts and this is not about pollyanna like when you think about positive things it's not about denial about the negative things that happen it it's a healthy kind of denial because you know again when you focus on the good things then the negative actually fall off or shrink sure and yeah i think too to give you a little bit of context and to take it a little bit deeper too, is when we think about the law of vibration, there's two kinds of energy, right? Kind of like yin and yang. There's anabolic energy and there's catabolic energy. So catabolic mm -hmm. energy is that destructive life force that when we engage with it, when catabolic energy arises for us, our body literally sets off cortisol. It sets off adrenaline. We're in the fighter. Mm -hmm. much, much different is anabolic, right? So when our body experiences anabolic energy our brain is setting off all the ha like happy chemicals right we're in serotonin endorphins we're literally saturating our brain with happiness and so it's understanding i always say catabolic energy contracts you you're stuck i'm all think about fight or flight you're literally like you have cement shoes you're you're frozen you shrink and you're like no way Versus when we're experiencing anabolic energy, we expand and we get big and we get large and we're free. We're like flowing. Imagine like flowing water. And so I think it's about understanding which one of these is the driving force in my life. Am I mm -hmm. consistent? If I'm feeling stuck and I'm in this old station, right? And I'm contracted, how much new information can come in? It really mm -hmm. can't which also we think about our educational system. Kids can't learn or contracted. They can mm. only learn if they're expanded. So kids in trauma can't learn. So it's understanding mm -hmm. how to process and release trauma. But I think about the same thing. And I wrote a lot about it in my book about if people are curious, which one of these is your default energy, pick up your phone, right? What's the last five songs you listen to? Do they feel anabolic or catabolic? What's the mm. last five text messages you sent? Who are the last five people you called? What are the last five emails you got? Like it's a fives game, right? Who are the first five people that pop up on Facebook or Instagram or TikTok or whatever you, LinkedIn, whatever you're engaging with. When you sit down to watch TV, what are the top five things you watch? And it's understanding, do those things create this adrenaline rush in you? Like, are you watching? Like, I was, are you meditating and then watching Law and Order? 
Like, if so, <laughs> it's because you've, your nervous system has normalized adrenaline. And so it seeks mm. it out to feel that balance. And mm. so once we recognize, okay, I'm feeding off adrenaline, how do I, and it goes back to what you were sharing, that was brilliant. It goes back to saying, okay, how do I start losing focus on this and, and paying more attention to the meditation, the yoga, the slowing it down, the turning things down, the maybe light a candle, maybe read, like whatever it is, it doesn't have to be like super woo, but it's understanding if the lights are blaring and the alarms are going off and there's a TV constantly on or chaos, it makes total sense that my nervous system can't shut down. Yeah. And so when we teach ourselves how to shut down, all of a sudden the alarm sounds louder and we're like, why is that so loud? Or you sit down mm. to watch TV and you're like, gross, I don't want to watch this. Or someone mm. sends you a text message and you're like, that sounds kind of off. Or you look, you start unfollowing people on social media because you're like, this doesn't feed my anabolic state. And you start to, it's what you're talking about, the focus and the defocus. You start to change. You start to heal. And you start to say, no, this is who I want to be. Mm. This is who I'm being now. I don't have to be that old person. Powerful. Yeah, super. <laughs> yeah, that was so good. Thanks for sharing that. For and sure. yeah, and that's really powerful to get to. And I like how that weaves into how this is not all just woo woo. When you think about positive thinking, there are physical changes that happens in the mind. It's not just like, okay, just positive thinking. Like, really, there are, there's a neuroanatomy and neurochemistry that supports. You know what goes on when we think positively we secrete the right hormones and yeah and it puts us in a more resourceful place and like you said if we're always in a fight flight or freeze response if we're always in a stress response that puts us in an unresourceful place and physiologically even that just shuts down creative thinking critical thinking and our ability to uh, effectively you know decide make good decisions and we're always so defensive and we're always so always on the lookout. And really the other side of that is like you said, liberation where we're just yeah. open and free and receptive. Yeah. I think that's such a powerful distinction. Yeah. yeah and it's just recognizing and like, it's allowing ourselves to slow down long enough and say, which one of these have I normalized? Yeah. Because a lot of times people say, I'm fine. There's nothing wrong with me. It's all that out there. Right? Like, mm. No, what we observe out there flows right through our map. Yeah. Until we heal our map, nothing changes. And so it's which one of these have I normalized? And how yeah. do I go back and edit this and go, let me turn these things down and let me turn these things, let me defocus these things so that I can focus these other things. Or I love how you said it. Once you start to focus things, the other things just blur out and fade into the background. As soon as I tune this in, this just dissipates. Yeah. So I, I think it's recognizing, but I feel like everyone's out. They have to prove stuff and we're all over social media and we're just, blah, blah, blah. we're just trying to do all this external work instead yeah. of saying, wait a second, how do I slow down inside mm. so that I can speed up outside oh, instead that's of so trying to catch up out here and being a frenetic in here, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's really an inside-out process. It strictly happens in that sequence. We can try our very hardest to try to manipulate things in the outer world, but ultimately it's creating a healthy inner home and a healthy inner world yeah. that we project onto the outer world and really being willing to do the inner work and acknowledging that doing the inner work it's literally work. It takes work and it takes a willingness to be uncomfortable and to go to places mentally, emotionally that you've never went to before. Uncovering these things can feel icky, if it's, especially if you're not familiar with that territory, that parts of your map. And But when you do that work, when you sit with the process and trust the process, you come out of it feeling so liberated and free and 
you feel like there you have more options and the possibilities are just endless. Yeah, I feel like what just came up for me too, and another friend of mine was asking me a question earlier about making this really powerful decision. And I said, I can just share with you one thing. I said, I can't make the decision for you. But mm -hmm. I can tell you that once you make the decision and you unlock this door, you have no idea how many more doors are behind this one. Yeah. But if you stay contained in your environment, this for sure will remain. Yeah. It's, like, it's not, it's really, is it about what can I gain from learning this or what can I gain from releasing myself from that relationship? It's like, that's the first step. There's mm -hmm. going to be multiple, multiple staircases that come as a result of that one choice. Yeah. So I think about like, even myself being a, a really young mom, like it, that one choice to go back to school turned into me staying in school and then finding a, a, a class that I finally could pass and a teacher that would my hand, that then I was like, wait, that's how I ended up on the Dean's list. And then from there, I was like, wait, maybe I am smart. And I ended up finishing undergrad with honors, which that was never, like, I never even could fathom that as this young mm -hmm. teen mom. And then went to grad school and then wrote a book and then have done all these crazy things. But none of <laughs> that would have been possible without that first decision. And so it's like, as soon as you vacate that first spot, options are endless. You have no idea who you're capable of being until you vacate who you are right now. Wow. I really love that. A decision. Really just making that decision, making that choice. And I think it's one of the qualities of humans that's so powerful, but often gets overlooked. And people have surrendered their ability to choose and ability to decide and you know we need to recognize and bring back to our consciousness that we have that ability to decide and i like how you shared i cannot decide for you those are things right. we cannot outsource and we need to hone those muscles as well jody this has been such a great conversation and i feel like you know we really vibe and i feel like we can talk on and on for hours agreed but, um, agreed <laughs> yeah we'll have to do a part two right absolutely i would love to yes. have you on for another episode so as we get to the last part of the episode i would like to give you a moment too to talk about how people can learn more about you uh, learn more about your book if they want to connect about you if they're curious about what you do and possibly working with you Absolutely. And thank you so much. A little bit about my book I just shared. It's called Healing Your Map. It's available on every platform, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, um, lots of places. Grab a copy. It's really in layman's terms. There's nothing challenging in it. There's, If you like this conversation, the book takes it way deeper than that. There's lots of Q&A in the book. I always tell people you're going to want your own copy because you're going to want to write all in it. and You're going to learn all kinds of stuff about yourself. That's for you, right? The book isn't for anybody else but you. Um, so the book is called Healing Your Map. Um, I also have a website. It's just my first and last name, which is jodygibson.com. Jody is J-O-D-E, Gibson, G-I-B-S-O-N. And there's lots of content there. I do have courses I run every now and then. I just built a really cool model that I'll be rolling out in the middle of next year. And I'm jamming out about um, hosting a podcast. I think I'm going to start I'm talking about the map and having more conversations like this on a podcast. So if anybody's looking for me, I'm all over social media just by my own name. My handle is Jody Gibson on every form from LinkedIn, Instagram, TikTok, Clubhouse. I have a huge, I have a huge club on Clubhouse if anybody's fluent in that called the Neuroplasticity Club. And I'm pretty easy to find. But reach out if you want to connect and whatever. And thank you, Chris. This was really great. And I'm I'm honored to share time with you, and this was powerful. I'm definitely open to round two. Yeah, thank you so much. And yeah, so you know where to find Jody online, and that was an epic episode. <laughs> I really enjoyed it. it. It was a really fun conversation and lots of fun stuff that we uncovered and lots of stuff that came up, and yeah, it was so fun. Perfect. So remember to follow your heart to believe in yourself and to take action and to remember that success is something you attract, 
by the person you become. We'll catch you next time on the Mental Arsenal Podcast. Hey, go-getter. Want to know a quick way to boost your motivation and productivity? Three words. Crystal clear goals. I have a guide for it. It's called Goalbook, your guide to crystal clear goals. Head on over to chrisacebo.com slash goalbook and grab your free copy now.